Electronic Specifier. Hello and welcome back to Electronic Specifier Insights. Today we are joined by Jörg Zimmer, VP of EMEA Sales at BlackBerry. So Jörg, thanks for joining us and how are you today? I'm fine, thank you very much. Brilliant, thank you. So if you could start please with an introduction of yourself and your background. So as you said, my name is Jörg Zimmer and I'm working for BlackBerry QNX. So the QNX part is quite important and I'm sure we'll refer to, to that later in, in our conversation. So my background is I am an engineer from a university and I started 25 years ago in the embedded industry, focusing on sales because the embedded industry is first of all a very fascinating market and second of all, also a very interesting market where you have to work with uh, deeply technical topics, but also with many people. And especially in sales, you have to close the bridge between the technical topics and the human side of addressing these topics. And that's especially important if you look at all the challenges you have in the embedded industry, security and safety being two very prominent ones. Of course. Fantastic. Thank you. So could you also introduce the company as well for us, BlackBerry? Sure. So I work for BlackBerry QNX. QNX is a part of BlackBerry. So BlackBerry is, is known by pretty much everyone around the world because of the phones. So an old product that doesn't exist for the company anymore. So the company doesn't sell any phones anymore since many years. But it has several business units with other technology we are now developing and, and selling. One is uh, security products for the enterprise industry used around the world. Now I'm working at BlackBerry QNX, and that's a division that's focusing on the embedded market and on software solutions for the embedded market to address requirements that to, to address uh, system requirements where reliability, functional safety, or security is very important. And here, there are different markets we are addressing, like, for example, the automotive market, or also medical market, rail market. So all these markets where systems are running that need computing power, and where you have to rely on that they do exactly what they should do. Excellent. Now, today, we're going to be talking about how to make connected cars resilient to attacks recent news that vehicles on public roads could be controlled by terrorists and used as remote weapons has stirred up some obviously necessary concerns. But connected autonomous vehicles are central to the development of smart cities, and they're only going to become more popular. So if we're going to advance in driverless cars, obviously user trust is paramount. So to start with, could you explain what some of the consequences would be of a car being hacked in this way? Well, looking at the consequences, we can think about what can happen in theory or what could Hollywood make out of it, because the reality we don't know. And uh, strictly speaking, you could hack a car to achieve, for example, that the car just stops wherever you are at that moment, or you could then use the car to drive to a specific destination, so to a place where you want that the car is driving to, or that you direct the car into a destination you don't know. You say, for example, okay, go straight for 100 meters where you don't know what's actually in front of that car. That's what could happen in theory if you 
think about using the, the car which has been hacked as a weapon. Other things that could happen is that actually the data that is used on the car is taken. So not, not that you use the car as a weapon, but that you take the data. And that could be, for example, to which addresses did you navigate in, in the past, to which people did you reach out over your phone, or what kind of conversation do you have in your car? You know, that somebody is listening to the microphones that are installed in the car without anyone noticing. So these are the things that could happen in theory. What will happen in reality? Time will tell. Well, I mean, following on from that, you know, vehicles being hacked in this way, you know, has there's already been an incident. I mean, I'm thinking in particular of the 2015 hack of a Jeep Grand Cherokee. So can you tell us what happened there? And, and do you think it changed the way the automotive industry viewed cybersecurity? It for sure had an impact because it made it very transparent that we are not only talking about things that can happen in theory, but also things that happen in, in reality. And there have been numerous examples. The specific example you mentioned is where two hackers were hacking a specific vehicle. And the challenging part for, for them was actually to ensure that they are hacking the right vehicle and not other vehicles of the same brand and model were truck on the street. And they hacked, for example, the steering wheel and they also hacked the brakes so that the driver who knew that his car would be hacked, so he knew what could potentially happen and was prepared for that, wasn't able to stop the car or to go in the direction he wanted. And uh, the hackers made a video out of it and published it and showed in the end the, the world what could actually be done. And that for, for sure had an impact because, as you said, not only the developers or the car manufacturers or the car suppliers noticed that, but also the general audience who was, to, to some extent, shocked through the eye-opening video and, and documentary that was then created around the world. However, the automotive industry knows to a great extent what risk is related to new technology. And that's something from my point of view, we have to keep in mind when the industry is further developing the systems and that's happening in the automotive industry since 125 years, new technology always has a certain risk attached to it. And that needs to be managed because if you introduce new technology, it has to be safer than the technology it is replacing. Now, looking at the security side of it, from my point of view, challenging part is the end consumer isn't always aware of the risk with that and therefore isn't really willing to pay for it. And that's a challenging situation. If you as an automotive supplier have to address something that is costing money, where the end user isn't seeing the value. So everyone is willing to pay for air condition, for example, because they see the value of it. And it's easy to trans to explain what an air condition does in the car, especially these days when, when the summers are so hot. With um, security, it is vague. Or somebody might think, why should somebody be interested in hacking my car? To hack a car of somebody important, yes, but not my car. So why should I pay? Um, and that's something where I believe we also have to understand there might be people who want to hack things because it is possible to hack it. They don't care if they hack the car of person A, B, or C. They want to hack because they can or because it's motivating others to do something. Like, for example, if you hack a car of a certain brand, that brand becomes vulnerable and might be willing to pay money for it. People hack these days, for example, hospitals or 
other critical infrastructure to get money out of it. So that's why the industry has to address the situation these systems can be hacked, especially now as they're all connected. Connected because, as you said, to connect them with the infrastructure, with the cities, to make them smarter, but also to connect them with the outside world to update, for example, software. And that's something we, we know already, everybody experiences already with this phone, which is updated also quite often. So these systems have a complexity that requires maintenance and also the user expects that the systems are learning and getting more feature rich. And that's only possible by updates. And in the past, if you wanted to get an update, you went with your car to your garage and they installed updates, but that happened only once a year. And if your car has a certain age, probably not even once a year, but probably never because you said, I, I'm not going to a garage anymore and pay money for it. But that's something that's changing. So the cars need to be updated to enable the smart part of it, or also to uh, update the software and therefore they're connected and that makes them vulnerable. And now where we are helping and, and working with the industry is first of all, to avoid that as far as possible. And second, if it's possible to limit the attack surface. And we are in a position to do so because we are delivering fundamental piece that's used in the automotive architecture and that's the operating system. So operating systems like Windows or, or Linux for PCs are widely known by the general audience. Also operating systems for smartphones like iOS from Apple or Android that's used by many other companies are widely known. QNX is now an operating system that is used in cars because they also have computing power and also require an operating system. And that's where we have a big market share. So recently published numbers are that we are used in 215 million cars, and that's a significant number. And these are the systems that are already in uh, on the road. So where well, we are also working with the automotive industry uh, on systems that are currently in development that will be introduced then to the market and be running on the road in 2025, 26, and so on. So there's a constant development where we are part of it. And then the operating system is used, for example, for so-called high-performance compute systems that are used in the car, also for the ADAS systems that are used in those cars. Lowest level software that is controlling all the software that is on top of it. And if we use a PC as an example, there you also have an operating system that is then providing the functionality that you can install or start software like an Internet Explorer, like uh, Excel, like Outlook, etc. So all these programs. And therefore, the operating system has a very important functionality because it has access to the resources that are available and it is enabling the applications on top of it. That means it can control a lot and monitor a lot and can therefore do things like limiting the resources that are available for an application that uh, can become important if somebody can penetrate a certain application that he can only do certain things with that application to bring an example let's say on the car is an operating system used like android on the phone and the android on the phone isn't updated for whatever reason and it is an old version it has a known vulnerability and somebody can therefore use that vulnerability 
and access Android. Then we still have the chance to limit what the hacker can do with the tap access. And we can, can, for example, monitor that he will not have access, he or she, so the hacker will not have access to a data where the Android portion isn't allowed to access to. So that, for example, the hacker is, is able to see data that's running on Android, like, for example, what music you're, you're listening to, but is not able to see, for example, what the engine speed is, what the speed is of the vehicle or the position of the car, etc. And one other thing is that the operating system is clearly avoiding that the system is actually being hacked. Of course. I mean, those are some really good points you've raised there. And following on from some of those, what exactly does the automotive industry need to put in place to not just ensure safety, but also gain user trust in the long term? So my point of view, the industry has to continue what they're doing already. So they, they are aware of that. And now they have to continue to work on finding the, the right solutions to enable on one side the connectivity and the feature richness a car that is connected to the outside world has, and at the same time managing the negative impact of that openness. To think about, okay, what's the smartest way to not limit the system too much and so have it safe and secure. For example, military, they have a very different view on that. They can limit their systems a lot because safety and security is very important for them. And if the user has limitations in using that product, like for example, a limitation could be that he has to be very well trained. That's something that's acceptable in military, but not for, for an automotive end user. He doesn't want to get the six months training to be able to, to use the navigation system, for example. And therefore you have to think about, okay, how are we addressing those very conflicting requirements to have a very open system, a very intuitive system, a system you can control, for example, from your home PC that you say, okay, I'm, I'm putting the address I, I want to go to through my home PC in, in, in the system or through my phone or through whatsoever. And at the same time, allowing that the system is not misused. And that's something where you have to come up with a strategy where each OEM in the end, so car manufacturer, might also have a, a different view on what is the right approach and what is allowed and, and, and what shouldn't be allowed. Important for, for us is then that we work with the customer to, to show him how he can implement his strategy with, with our products and with our services. Yeah, so it's not our goal to tell the customer what to do. It is our goal to help the customer, to explain to him what's possible, and then to help him to, to implement the, the strategy, the car manufacturer releases is best for him. And there are different car models or different car manufacturers might have a different strategy based on, on the country in, in which they are sold, what the expectation is, or to, to which end user they're, they're selling it. Um, if, if you look at, at certain ages or certain culture, certain countries, they might have different requirements and different needs and also different views, what is important and what is not important. Of course. And following on from that, you know, as, as you've said previously, modern vehicles are extremely complex. They host countless sensors, electronic control units, buttons, inputs, connectivity, etc. 
So what are the prime entry point of attack on a connected vehicle? So the hacker would use a media that is enabling him to get access to the car. And that means the over the air capabilities a car has. And that could be connectivity to an outside server to get updates of the software that is used in the car. It could also be to get information from the outside world. And it would be information that is not unidirectional. So where the car is just getting the information, like for example, from a radio station where you would listen to, but you are not communicating with that one. But if there's a back and forth communication, then that could also be used in theory to hack the car. And there, to be fair, in most of the hacks that has been published so far, the hackers use some special interfaces that are on the car. So they still needed some physical access to the car. And that's also due to the fact that the current or most of the current cars that are on the road are not really connected to the outside world. But that's already changing and there are now more and more connected cars. And in the future, it will be the standard that they are connected to enable then the smart city goals, like for example, that the car is communicating with the outside world to maneuver traffic in a way to avoid traffic jams or to make cars aware that there's an ambulance approaching or to avoid accidents because the cars are communicating to each other or to avoid a situation that the truck is, is trying to overtake another truck because truck driver doesn't know that the truck will leave the highway in, in a kilometer anyway. So there you can really make the whole infrastructure smarter by communicating so that you know what does the other one to, to do, what's the planned goal of, of that vehicle. And that smarter city approach requires connectivity, also connectivity from the cars, for example, to city lights that the cars know, okay, how long will I actually have to wait until I have a green light? Does it make sense to, to switch off the engine or not? These kind of things will make all systems smarter, require connectivity. And that's in theory enabling the hacking of the car. Well, that leads me nicely on to my next question, which is, you know, how can security be simplified on such a complex machine? A difficult question, I, I would say. How can, can security be simplified? Well, you could simplify it by, by limiting it, by saying, okay, which connectivity do I really need? Then you can also simplify it by, by saying, okay, I have to communicate, but what kind of information do I really have to communicate? And that's a little bit where, where we can also refer to the phone already. When you are installing a new app, it is surprising what kind of information the app is requesting. So they request access to your camera, to your microphone, to the files you stored, sometimes even for things where you think, why do you need access to the camera? Why do you need access to the microphone? Because I just want to use this app to do what I guess you, you get the point. So there, one thing is to simplify and to allow the systems only to get access to what they really, really need to do the job and not more and not less. And also to enforce that already through the development yeah, so that you limit the accessibility to what's only needed. That's already one important step to achieve that. Then 
Other things are, of course, uh, standards that you define, okay, how are we communicating? How are we ensuring we have secure communication that you can secure the data that is transferred during the communication, also the data that is stored and that you work through the same technology. And of course, that you always use the, the latest and best te technology that is available because uh, in security, it is uh, constantly evolving and systems that have been secure three years ago are no longer secure because with new technology, they can be hacked again. Like for example, if you look at passwords, the passwords are, are getting longer and more complex to make the system secure again. Of course. Now, as you've already mentioned, your safety certified software has been embedded in 215 million vehicles worldwide. But what exactly does this mean for the future of cars? Well, the number alone doesn't mean anything, to be fair, because you could have, for example, the most secure door in your house if you leave the key in. However, we are known of reliable products that address security and safety. And we're also known for having the expertise to help our customers to use it in the best way. And that brings it in the end then to a system the customers can trust on. And that's also key for us that we help our customers that they can develop their product in time and that it is addressing the functional safety and security aspects. And it's important to address both because then there's first a functional safety requirement because the system has to ensure that it is really keeping the lane. But that goes hand in hand with the security. If you can hack it, then it's not safe anymore. Because if you tell the car that the lane is somewhere else where the car believes it is, then the system would leave the track it should follow. Yeah. So safety and, and security goes hand in hand. And that's something we know, you know, already since a long time. And that's where we focus with, with our products. So on systems that are reliable, safe and secure. And therefore it helps our customers that we have a, a certain market share and that we work closely with our customers to help them building the systems and configuring the systems to use the, the feature richness we bring with, with our products to make the system safe and secure in the end. One thing that is really important from my point of view is that then customers also understand safety and security is important, but you don't see it until it's too late how important it is. Again, for, for some systems on the car, you immediately see what they bring. If you have a a more expensive radio, you hear the difference. Uh, for safety and security, it's hard to grasp it, to see it un until it is late. And that's an important point from, from my point of view. Mm, definitely. So how exactly do your solutions connect all the parts of a vehicle and allow them to communicate with each other without the threat of interference from a hacker? So if we look at communication, we have to differ a bit. So to communicate with the outside world, we are also using technology like, for example, cellular networks, where we support the different standards. You can connect through Wi-Fi, through Bluetooth, etc. So these are all connection methods that are widely used in the industry and that are also used by, by customers of us. That's something we are enabling, of course. Then we also have the internal so the communication on the system where you have different software pieces where you need to communicate 
messages from software A to, to software B. And there we have multiple message passing concepts in, in our software to transfer small amounts of data, also big amounts of data. And now if, if we look at uh, making that secure, we have to work with the industry. Okay, how can we make the communication secure through cellular networks or, or Wi-Fi? And that means how can we ensure that the sender and receiver are authenticated so that we trust the parties who are talk to each other? And how are we authenticating the information they're exchanging so that they are rightfully allowed to exchange that information and that it, we can trust the data that is exchanged. So, so these are different uh, methods we are also supporting uh, partially with, with own products, uh, like for example, to ensure systems are signed and can be authenticated because they have an individual signature and the key and also with third party software that is commonly used in the industry. Brilliant. Can you also tell us about the BlackBerry QNX Autonomous Vehicle Innovation Center and how it transforms concepts into reality? So we are a Canadian-based company. So our headquarters is in Ottawa in Canada. And there we're working at the forefront with the automotive industry on developing the systems, helping our customers to develop this system. And that means we also have to constantly develop our products especially in security technology that is a couple of years old might have known vulnerabilities. So you have to constantly update that. And that means we have to work with the industry on the systems that are currently in development. Uh, so systems that are also still far away from being introduced to the market. And the innovation center helps us to test and to work with new hardware, with new software, also with new players in, in that industry and with established players in that industry, how the systems can work, how they can be improved and productized to be brought on the market then a couple of years later. And the Innovation Center helps us to, um, as a test ground to test these things, to con continuously improve our systems and also to provide feedback to the market. And Ottawa is, from my point of view, an great place for that because if you look at where most of the autonomous vehicles are being driven and tested these are sunny places like uh, Arizona and California but if you look at the weather conditions in Ottawa there you really have the four seasons and you have very strong and cold winters and you also have rain you have fog so weather conditions you experience around the world also we in Europe are, are used to the four seasons very different to California, for example, or Arizona, where we have very different weather conditions and typically don't uh, do a lot of testing with rain. So for us, the Innovation Center is really a great place to test the different pieces of software and, and hardware that are used or considered for autonomous driving. Yeah, that's a very good point there. So what do you think the next generation software defined vehicle of the future will look like and what additional challenges around security will it potentially create? So as you said, software defined vehicle. So the vehicle is more and more defining itself through the software. And that means the software is getting more complex. 
and will also have more lines of code, significantly more lines of code. And that means we have to manage the complexity and we have to, to manage the, the feature richness of such a software-defined vehicle. And that's where we come especially into play. In the past, the systems have been defined by hardware ECUs. And there are numbers floating around that, that cars have between 70 and 120 different ECUs providing the different functionality. If you look at the future and at the software-defined car, you can imagine to have something like three to seven high-performance compute systems. So systems that have a lot of compute power, and there you also can see examples that compute power is by far exceeding the compute power of, of Apollo 11 or SpaceX or, or whatsoever. So to bring that into perspective, so there's a lot of compute power in the car, and in the end, a lot of software that needs to be managed from a security point of view, especially to uh, limit the attack surface so that the system cannot be hacked. And also if it can be hacked to limit the damage that can be done. And that's where, where we are one of the integral players in the market to help our customers with the products and also with the related service because to manage the complexity and to, to manage the feature richness, you have to work closely with the customer to understand what they want to do, what they want to achieve and to help them how that can be done with the products we are providing. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your insights. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Thank you very much. It's also a pleasure for me to exchange our view with uh, the rest of the world. Thanks for the opportunity. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Electronic Specifier.